Hello, hello. Okay, you forgot. I like to have people respond. Hello, hello. Hey, that's better, that's better. I'm so happy to see familiar faces and so many new faces too. The ministry is growing. God is moving. Have you enjoyed the semester so far? Yes? You ready for tonight? Really? Okay. Um, all right, just help me here. Somebody, I got to get all my technological devices in order before we get started. I'm just kidding. I just have my timer here because I'm not so great at looking into the lights to see where we're at with the clock. Mm -mm -mm. Wonderful. Okay. Welcome to week three of My Determined Purpose. We're going to talk this, this lesson about the Good Shepherd. The Bible reveals so much about our human condition using this metaphor of sheep and their dire need for a shepherd. And you know, when God sent his one and only son, Jesus, he sent us the best of the best because he wanted us to be shepherded by the best. So thankful for that. In order for us to really make sense of this and apply this to our lives, first, we need to see ourselves as sheep. So I want to invite you to look with me at Isaiah 53, verse 6. And in fact, I'm going to ask you to read it out loud together with me. It should be on the screen, so we're all at this, with the same translation. Isaiah 53, 6. Ready? Read with me. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Hmm. One thing I love about this women's ministry is that there's an element of safety here. The environment is one that you can be honest with God and honest with one another, and I want to do that right now as it pertains to sheep having been astray. We've all, like sheep, gone astray. Let's, let's admit that in our history, our past, leading up to this day, we've all thought, maybe even not on purpose, but we thought that our way is actually better than God's, or at least it's preferred. We've done it our way, according to what we felt. Maybe we've insisted on getting even with someone or refused to forgive someone. Perhaps we've relied on jobs and earning more money or drinking wine or getting really physically fit or fill in the blank in order to get through a difficult season rather than relying on the one who can get us through. We all, like sheep, have at one time or another gone astray. David says it this way. He says that in his straying, he was lost. Psalm 119, verse 176 says, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Have you ever experienced a time when you felt lost? Usually being lost means having a sense of being alone and being frightened, perhaps trying to find your own way in a relationship or your marriage. You've searched within and perhaps searched out in the world to find the remedy, to find the fix for what needs fixing. Being astray and lost is part of the human condition, and Jesus mentions this, observes it, in fact, in Matthew 9, 36. It says, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered, like sheep having no shepherd. Other translations say that the people were confused and helpless, harassed, distressed, dispirited. 
We have to understand that Jesus sees our weariness when we try so hard to tackle life's issues in our own strength. He knows how and when we get harassed by the enemy. And he sees the disarray and he knows the difficulties that come to sheep who are without a sheep, a shepherd. And I would add those who have a shepherd but refuse to heed his voice or follow him. This biblical metaphor of sheep and shepherd can kind of get lost in our ignorance. I would guess that if I took a survey of all of the people or even those watching online, very few of us have sheep herding experience. Yes? <laughs> so I'm going to help us there by sharing some insightful information from Philip Keller's book. And I would highly recommend it to you. It's called A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23. Before I do that, I want to pray for you as we dive into this. Father, I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you that you are the teacher. And I pray today that you would reveal elements of our character that do demonstrate us being sheep and also our need to be shepherded. Awaken us, Lord. Open our eyes to understand this in greater measure. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. First lamb fact, the welfare of sheep depends solely upon the care that they get from the shepherd. In other words, the better the shepherd, the better the sheep. If you were to see sheep that have parasites or are sick or weak, it's a very clear indication that they have not been well cared for by the shepherd. You can, if you, we need to con consider the condition that we are in, our hearts and our minds, and ask ourselves, who do we allow to shepherd us? Fact number two, sheep are the dumbest of all animals. <laughs> I wish I had better news, but this is the truth. And because of this, they need constant, say constant, guidance. Without constant guidance, sheep are always going to go the wrong way. They're totally unaware of dangerous circumstances. They've been known, in fact, to nibble themselves right off a cliff. I mean, honestly. Fact number three, if they are not led to proper pastures, sheep will obliviously eat or drink things that are disastrous to them. It's for that reason that the shepherd goes before and sets the table, if you will, finds a mesa, a territory that has healthy grass, no poisonous weeds, and a great supply of clean water. Which leads me to pose this question. How careful are you about choosing your pasture? What do you allow in? What do you consume? What are you watching? You know, the spirit of fear is running rampant in the news, in lots of TV programming, and so on. What pastures are you spending time in? Lamb fact number four, sheep are creatures of habit. Left to themselves, they will graze the same trail back and forth again and again. And that path becomes a gully. And in that gully, there are parasites and disease. Over time, the sheep can be very unhealthy because of that particular habit. Enough said. Number five, sheep have a tendency to run when they are frightened by a sudden noise or a disturbance. When fear strikes, the sheep take off. They run frantically in any direction and often into danger. The shepherd is the only cure 
for panic within the sheepfold. What happens is when he senses fear, the shepherd comes in and amongst the sheep, quietly passing through, moving along, helping them discover his presence. And as they realize that he's there, truly, the desire to run vanishes because their trust in him is replacing the fear that was. How awesome it is to be in the presence of the shepherd. Fact number six, sheep cannot live without water, and yet they can go for actually a very long time, month, if it doesn't get too hot. Normally they get their water from one of three sources. They get their water from streams, or wells, or the dew on the grass. And it's the dew on the grass that can carry them until their grazing takes them to the other sources. We love the corporate gathering, don't we? We love coming to church, the presence of the body of Christ all together. But what are you doing in between corporate gatherings? Are you taking in the dew that the Lord provides? Number eight. Oh, sorry, number seven. Sheep are frightened by swiftly moving streams because they are easily carried downstream by the current. Remember, they have coats of wool. And when the wool gets saturated, the wool is very heavy and it carries them downstream quickly. They get waterlogged. They can even sink in that circumstance. So we can say then that sheep and rapid water doesn't mix. Knowing this, if they have to cross water with any depth, they know there's one way to do it, and that is close to the shepherd. Mm -hmm. Lamb fact number eight. Sheep can suffer greatly, this is gross, because of the nose fly. <laughs> The nose fly deposits its eggs in the mucous membrane of the sheep's nose, and then those eggs hatch, and little larvae make their way up into the sheep's head, and they burrow in his flesh and causes severe agitation. The sheep thrash and beat their head against anything that is available so that it, this distraction and this irritation can be done away with. Sadly, Sometimes sheep actually kill themselves trying to get rid of this agitation. We can liken this to wrong thoughts that take their, um, you know, they take their space in our minds and we entertain them and allow them to do their thing to the point of such agitation and irritation that it can cause a death of sorts in us. Finally, the last fact I'll share is that sheep can be very stubborn you know what, the bottom line is they just want to graze where they want to graze. They don't feel like following a shepherd. And because of this, they get into some serious trouble. I want to point out and really drive home this truth. Jesus is our good, say good, our good shepherd. He makes the point as well in John 10, 11 through 15. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, he sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he's a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I am known by them. And as the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Shepherd in the Greek is the word poimen. 
It means herdsman, one who tends, listen to these words, one who leads, one who guides and cherishes, feeds and protects a flock. Hear him speak to you personally. Jesus, your shepherd, is inviting you to receive his tending and his guidance, his leading in your life. He wants to feed and protect you. And he wants to do this out of relationship, him knowing you and you knowing him. In the book, Victory Over the Darkness, Dr. Neil Anderson writes this. Those of us who live in the West don't have a correct picture of what it means to be led like sheep. Western shepherds drive their sheep from behind the flock, often using dogs to bark at their heels. Eastern shepherds, like those in Bible times, lead their sheep from in front. I watched a shepherd lead his flock on a hillside outside of Bethlehem during a visit to the Holy Land. The shepherd sat on a rock while the sheep grazed. And after a time, he stood up. He said just a few words to the sheep and walked away. The sheep followed him. It was fascinating. And the words of Jesus in John 10, 27 suddenly took on new meaning to me. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. My determined purpose is to know him. Amen? I want to encourage you. The Bible tells us that we are his sheep. We've covered this. It also says that you hear him. You hear his voice and thus recognize false shepherds knowing not to follow that voice but only choose him because he shepherds his people. David makes this so clear in Psalm 23. I'm going to have the scripture put on the screen behind and I want you to help or just look at it as I take one verse apart help us understand this. Verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When we entrust our lives to Jesus, we can echo what David is saying, that because the Lord is my shepherd, because he guides and leads and tends to my needs, because it's he who occupies this role in my life, I shall not want. Said another way, I shall lack nothing. Now sometimes his provision does not come as we've planned or as we had expected, but he provides. It's who he is. Our shepherd tends to every need. We simply trust him to let it be so. Verse 2, he makes me to lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. Think of this, the shepherd makes me to lie down knowing that I need rest. What comes to mind is the mummy of a toddler. Mummies of toddlers know when toddlers need rest, yes? And the shepherd knows when his sheep needs rest, when his sheep needs rest. And I want you to know that he doesn't just have us rest anywhere. He brings us to the greatest place of refuge. This phrase, green pastures, it, it refers to grass that is tender, that tastes sweet, that's void of weeds and poisonous plants. In addition, the fact that he leads says that he knows his sheep just simply don't know where to go or how to get there. And so we lead, sorry, we follow his lead 
to still waters. Now remember what we said before, the shepherd knows that wild raging waters are dangerous for sheep. And he knows today that this world is running rampant. Technology and other conveniences, they don't really make our lives easier, do they? They put more of a demand upon us. The wild waters of life can be horribly overwhelming. I'm sure you can nod your head in agreement. And yet, he doesn't bring us to places of wild waters. If we're living in places of wild waters, then we're not close to the shepherd because he leads us to still waters. The Hebrew word for water speaks of life, sustenance, blessing, refreshment. This is where he leads. So if I'm not experiencing these benefits, then I must be off doing my thing. Again, we're going to be honest. When you sense agitation and overwhelmedness, draw closer to your shepherd. Get away from that tempo of the world, the ravaging waters. Please pause and remember that sheep can easily, easily get caught up, right? And they can get swept away in that current, waterlogged, and even drowned. This is not his will for any of you, for any of his children. Let him lead you his way. Verse 3 says that he restores my soul and he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Restores. The Hebrew word for restores is uh, defined as to turn back or to turn away from one's sin and to return toward God. Your soul is what's restored. And your soul, if you don't know this, write it down, is comprised of your mind, your will, and your emotions. This verse is saying then that as you stay near to the shepherd, he redirects your thinking to align with his promises. And he redirects your emotion to align up with his truth. And your will begins to agree with his will. This is the process of restoration. He restores my soul. He also leads me in the path of righteousness, that is, in the path of right standing with him, according to his word, according to his truth. He will never lead you any other way because he has your best interest in mind. What love the shepherd has for each one of his sheep. Can you see how staying close to him really is the best place to be? Verse 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We all know that this journey of life has a lot of ups, but it has a lot of downs. And all the tumultuous stuff that we have lived in America and all around the world for the last few years is proof of that very thing. We travel into challenging spots every day. We lose our loved ones. We encounter unexpected emergencies. There's difficulties everywhere. But the good news is found in David's preposition. <laughs> we walk what? Through the valley. Say through. Come on, we're going to emphasize this. I'm going to read the verse again with the emphasis on that word. Yea, though I walk through the valley. Though I walk through the valley. Though I walk through the valley, just by emphasizing that one little word, the perspective changes. I might be in a valley, but I'm walking through the valley. Ladies, we need to make the word of God practical. It is to work for us as we apply our faith to it. When you are in the midst of a valley, 
season and someone says, how are you? I challenge you to make your response a response of faith and talk like David did. Answer by saying, I'm going through a difficult spot right now. There was a season years ago, our oldest son was beginning to do things and make decisions that did not align with what we had spoken to him or modeled or taught him. And it was so difficult in an arduous place that he was in in his journey. But I learned in that season the power of my confession of faith. People would say, Kristen, how are you? And I would say, this is not fun. I'm not going to paint a picture of being flaky and weird and say, it's fabulous, because it wasn't fabulous. So I honestly would respond, this is not fun, and this is not easy. But it is good because it is God. You see, he is with me and he is leading me through. He is leading us through a difficulty. Hallelujah. Come on. Back to verse 4. Fully aware of the presence of the shepherd, David says, I will fear no evil. David makes a declaration to not fear. He put his confidence in the Lord so much to such a degree that evil didn't stand a chance. Maybe your evil right now is adultery, or addiction, or uncertain future. I don't know. But by heightening your awareness of the Good Shepherd being right there, of his presence in your life, you can make a bold decision not to fear. No more worrying about what might happen. And you can choose this by knowing that he really is with you, and he really is shepherding you. And not only is he with you, but he does so. He shepherds you with two important tools. He's got a rod and a staff. And those things can bring us comfort as we understand them. His rod and his staff comfort us. Psalm 23, 4, that's what it says. The shepherd's rod represents authority and power and defense. A good shepherd practices with his rod for hours until he learns how to throw it with speed and accuracy. It serves as an extension of his right arm and it's his main weapon of defense. Understand that when you come across the right hand of God in the Bible, it's referring to his power. With his rod, the shepherd provides safety for himself and his flock because he can use it against predators in times of danger. It also brings discipline and correction to the flock. You see, sheep will insist on wandering <laughs> and approaching dangerous situations, but the shepherd's rod whistles through the air and sends those sheep scurrying back to where they belong. Praise the Lord for his discipline. You see, it's love. He doesn't want us where we don't belong. Never, never, never. Additionally, the shepherd uses his rod to examine and count his sheep. In Exodus 20, verse 37, there is a passage that speaks of passing under the rod. And this refers to the shepherd counting one by one to make sure that all of them have been accounted for. And so when sheep are brought under the, uh, under the shepherd's authority, they are subject to his careful examination. And sometimes we know the wool of sheep can get very long, and so skin disease or other uh, you know, parasites and things that would embed in the skin are invisible. But the rod can press in through that wool, part the wool, and the shepherd is able to determine the true condition of the skin. And of course, once those problems are laid bare, then he can remedy them. Are you catching the metaphor? 
These characteristics of the rod bring to mind many biblical truths. God upholds us in his right hand of power. I mentioned that earlier, that Psalm 63, 8. There is no weapon formed against us that can prosper, not when the shepherd is using his rod with effectiveness. We are safe in the shelter of the Lord. That's Psalm 61, 3. And the Lord loves those he disciplines, Hebrews 12, 6. In his other hand, the shepherd holds a staff. Picture a gigantic candy cane, if you will. <laughs> it is that which represents long-suffering and kindness. The staff is lengthy and slender, and it's got a hook on one end. It's uniquely designed for shepherds. Nobody else needs it because it's not used with any other animal but sheep. It plays a pertinent role in managing sheep. Now, since if the shepherd were to handle an, a baby sheep, a lamb, the smell of his hands would cause the mother to abandon, he instead uses the staff to pick up the baby and place it back next to its mother if they were to become separated. This is fostering intimacy in that relationship and it makes me consider how he might have already in many situations used a staff to draw people into your life and create intimate relationships for you. It's also used, the staff is used to catch the sheep and draw them close for the shepherd to examine the sheep. It's especially helpful for shy and timid sheep who would normally keep a great distance or desire to be a little further off from the rest of the flock. He draws them in. The shepherd uses the staff to guide the sheep. He would never beat the sheep, but rather gently lay it against the side of the sheep to apply pressure and guide them in the way he wants them to go. So just like the rod, the shepherd's staff is representative of biblical principles. God's love is patient and kind. When we draw near to him, he draws near to us in return. He convicts us gently of sin. He doesn't condemn us. He leads us by his still small voice. So in summary, the Bible likens us to sheep as a means of revealing the love of the Father for us. He fashioned us to remain close, to be protected to be nurtured and led then by him. He wants so, so very much to provide us with rest and assurance that can only be found in his sheepfold. And we have only one thing to do, and that is to respond to his invitation. Will you read with me Psalm 95, 7 and 8? It should be on the screen. Yep. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, as in the day of trial in the wilderness. Hear this. Don't resist your shepherd. He wants to protect and love and nurture and feed and lead you. I pray you'll let him do so. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Bless you.